When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My first ever media day. As a Buffalo Bill, let's do it. King in my city, wet a crown. Got a check, need another now. I can never get enough. Yeah, that's right. I can never, I can never, I can never get enough. Come on, let's get it. I can never, I can never, I can never get enough. You can't get money, need a new set. Try to call the next session, need a new bet. I can't wait to get back. Let's go. I hope you're ready for this season, because I'm sure you is. Let's ride, baby. Ooh. Starting to feel a little closer to the NFL season beginning at 17 teams in mandatory minicamp today. You know what that means, all those picture days and a whole lot of fun that these teams are having. We'll be taking you around the league to the different minicamps, seeing some sights and sounds throughout this show today. Also later, a live report from Cowboys camp. The reason someone here says let Zeke be Zeke and that Dallas offense will flourish. We welcome you. Glad you're with us today on NFL Live. Ryan Clark, Robert Griffin III, Jeff Darlington here for the hour, and we're going to begin in Cleveland. We go there where Deshaun Watson is at Brown's mandatory minicamp and the NFL has yet to make a decision as 24 civil suits filed by different women alleging inappropriate sexual conduct they've been filed against him. Watson spoke to the media today, was asked multiple questions about those lawsuits. Honestly, it's been, you know, it's been tough, um, you know, just trying to make sure that I, I stay balanced. Uh, with my, my mental and, and just my social life. But I have a great family. Um, I have a great uh, legal team and I have a great support cast here in this organization. So when I walk into the building, all that stuff is outside. I got to focus on football. You know, I met with the, the NFL um, a couple weeks ago and uh, I did everything they asked me to do. I answered every question truthfully uh, that, that the NFL asked me. Um, I spent hours with, those, with, those, with the people that they brought down. And that's all I can do is just tell them and be honest and, and tell them exactly what happened. And they, I know they have a job, and so I have to respect that. And that's what we want to do is cooperate. And, you know, they have to make a decision best for the, uh, the lead. I've been honest and I've been truthful about my stance. Um, and that's, you know, I never forced anyone. I never assaulted anyone. So um, that's what, you know, I've, I've been saying it from the beginning, and I'm going to continue to do that. I just want to clear my name and be able to tell, let the facts and the legal uh, legal procedure, procedures continue to play out. Um, so right now, that's what that's all I'm doing is is want to clear my name and be able to let all the facts come out in the court of law and, and be able to focus on that. I do understand that uh, I do have regrets as far as the impact that it has on the community and people outside of just myself. You know, and that includes my family, that includes this organization, that includes my teammates in this locker room that have to answer to these questions. That includes, you know, the fan base of the Cleveland Browns. That includes males, females, everyone across the, the world, you know. So uh, that's one thing I do regret is the impact that it's have triggered on so many people. And, um, yeah, it's, it's tough to, to have to, you know, deal with. So Kimberly Martin is in Cleveland covering Watson, this press conference today. Kimberly, what did you take away from today's media availability? 
Laura, you know what's crazy to me? The vibe is so different than it was a little less than a month ago when I was here in Cleveland in this building when they introduced Deshaun Watson as their new QB. The tenor in that press conference, it was somber, awkward, tense. Obviously, the allegations were brought up quite a bit during that, that press conference. And today, those same allegations, those same lawsuits, now we have two additional, now we're up to 24. Those are still the backdrop of this entire situation. But the vibe felt different. Deshaun was smiling. He talked about how he's been welcomed by people in the community, in this locker room. Good, you know, he paid for guys to go to the Bahamas, team bonding. A lot was made about this Browns locker room and how it was fractured last year. And they are spending a lot of time trying to build that cohesion between the offense and the defense. And at the center of that is Deshaun Watson, despite all of these allegations, Laura. Yeah, again, as you mentioned, Kimberly, 24 civil lawsuits alleging sexual misconduct and assault. Let's get Jeff Darlington in here for a minute. Jeff, is there any sense on the timeline for when the league will make a decision on any potential punishment for Watson? Laura, quite the opposite, actually. The league has been very clear throughout this process, every time that I've checked in with them, that they have no timeline. And in fact, that is the one thing in this entire uh, situation that they've been as firm on as possible. And part of that is because in the past, when they've done these types of investigations, sometimes they felt like they've come out with their punishment and their reaction, and then they've learned something more after the fact that has put them in a bind. And I think the NFL has really tried to get away from that model and make sure that they're as thorough as possible. Like Kimberly mentioned, they have spoken to Deshaun Watson once at this point. Uh, it wouldn't honestly surprise me, given that we have two more lawsuits, three, I believe, that we... Uh, could hear from the NFL talking to Watson again. All that remains on the table. The NFL, meanwhile, has not handed out any type of discipline on this matter. We'll continue to keep an eye on that. And then there's Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the Browns, with uncertainty about who will be his quarterback as Watson's suspension looms. He was asked about that today. I think, Jeff, with that, I'm going to be consistent and, and with what I've told you before, and I'm just going to let that situation play out. Does it affect you, though, like when you – when, when the news comes out and you see it does, it, does it have an effect on you? Aside from your respect in the process, I understand that, but like when you, when you see it. Yeah, I'm not going to get into those type of things. I would just tell you every single day, trying to make sure that, that we uh, focus on what is in front of us. Coach, what do you say to the team about that? Because obviously you can't totally block it out. I mean, it's in the headlines almost every day now. So what do you as the coach say to the team? You have to have addressed this at some point. I think with anything that's happening outside of our building, we've been very consistent with our team and making sure that we focus on our jobs when we walk into the building. And that's that's uh, this situation, any situation, you name it, you got to make sure that you have a job to do when you're here. And that's really what we're trying to do. So, Ryan, how would you describe this situation Stefanski's in? He doesn't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson's suspension and trying to figure out what this offense looks like because at the end of the day, that is his job. Yeah, that is his job, but when you think about it, his first job as the head coach of a football team is to be a leader of men. And the situation that the Cleveland Browns are now in when it pertains to Deshaun Watson is a very difficult one. It is one that the players on the team will have to speak on, one that Kevin Stefanski will be asked about. So he does have to handle that in a certain way, show up to work in a certain way. When he shows up to work, he has to figure out who's going to be his starting quarterback. He has no idea how long or 
or if or when Deshaun Watson will be suspended. And there are certain things and reasons you go out and get Deshaun Watson that you want to build your offense around. But you don't know if you'll have him. So is that Jacoby Brissett and what things have to be different in order for Jacoby to be successful? And here's my biggest point and the biggest issue that Kevin Stefanski will face. He's not just the offensive coach. He's not the offensive coordinator. He's the head coach. So when you build your team philosophy, you say we're going to play offense this way, defense this way, special teams, and here is how we'll win games. He will not be able to do that until he gets the final word on what Deshaun Watson's suspension will be, when it will start, and when it will end. So he's having to put together essentially two different game plans for both offense and team every single day. And that's a difficult spot to be in, and I think that's why he is so stressed when asked questions about Deshaun This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Watson. Yeah, guys, this is a very, very serious situation. And Kevin Stefanski has to be the ultimate leader when he's talking to this team. Because when you talk about who's his quarterback going to be, it's not going to be Baker Mayfield, right? If Deshaun Watson gets suspended, it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. Mm. And now Jacoby Brissett can run any offense that you want him to run. It's just not going to have the same juice as it would if Deshaun Watson was out there throwing the ball. But this is a situation that the Browns, they put themselves in, right? So they got to sit at the table that they made. And when you go out and you guarantee a guy $230 million and he has off the field, massive off the field issues, this is what happens. They're going to have to hide behind Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and allow Jacoby Brissett to run the system that Stefanski wants to run that is very successful and was successful with Baker Mayfield but it's not going to have the same juice without Deshaun Watson. Yeah, Robert, to your point, it wasn't that long ago that Baker Mayfield was the Browns quarterback and now of course a reminder that he was excused this week for mandatory minicamp as you might expect. So Jeff, where do things stand with a potential Baker Mayfield trade right now? Well, oddly, Laura, they stand exactly where they have all offseason, and that is with the Cleveland Browns still essentially demanding most of the the, the team that uh, the potential suitor would pick up most of the tab on his guaranteed contract for this coming season, just under $19 million. So until the Cleveland Browns come down from that number, essentially picking up part of that tab so that the uh, potential suitor doesn't have to, this deal is not going to get done. The Carolina Panthers are still a team we should watch. But at this point, once the Browns do come down in that number, I would anticipate other teams also becoming interested. Yeah, it's kind of a delicate line that they're walking there, trying to wait and see who might be desperate for a quarterback, desperate enough to pick up the most of that salary they could possibly get. And another thing, guys, you mentioned the running game. Well, it would make sense for Cleveland to rely on that if they're without Deshaun Watson for some period of time. Last season, they led the league with 5.1 yards per rush. We're just getting started here on NFL Live. There's a lot more coming your way today. The Commanders started mandatory minicamp today, but wide receiver Terry McLaurin not in attendance. Jeff is going to give us the latest on where those two sides stand and later Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson present at mandatory minicamp without a long-term deal hear why Robert thinks the Ravens will get back to their dominant ways and be a threat in the AFC he says don't change Lamar we'll be right back 
What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. The next UFC fight night is Saturday with a stacked card, including the main event featuring a featherweight matchup between fourth-ranked Calvin Cater and seventh-ranked Josh Emmett. The prelims started for Eastern on ESPN2, ESPN News, and ESPN Plus in English and Spanish, followed by the main card at 7 Eastern on ESPN. We're back here on NFL Live, and let's talk commanders who fined defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio $100,000 after his comments last week where he referred to the events at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021 as a dust-up. Del Rio has since deleted his Twitter. Here's more from head coach Ron Rivera and Ron Payne. This is about the impact that was made on our football team, the distraction it has become. That's a very serious question and topic, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it did impact us. Uh, during the team meeting, he was very open, very fortright, uh, very contrite, and apologized, and opened himself up to questions or opportunities for any players to come in and meet with him. He has already met with, with, with some of our players and talked to some of them about what was said, and I've been told those meetings went very, very well. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with that. And as he finished, he did the same thing. So, guys, please, any questions, come see me. Let's talk about that. Um, and I thought it was good. That was well received. And we'll see. I mean, he had, he did what he had to do. And, you know, he's still our coach. You feel me? We go out here and play ball. Does, does it impact the way you see things going forward at all? No, nah, man, I play football. Ooh, that was interesting from Deron Payne there. You, you sort of see the way he's handling this, but Ryan – it, it looked like it bothers him a little bit. Listen, we weren't there for the apology, but hypothetically speaking, if you're a defensive player in that locker room, how do you handle this? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
Well, I think the first thing is you understand there's a lot of people walking around that building that think that way. Jack Del Rio is not the only person that feels like what happened on January 6th was a dust up and that what happens in the wake of unarmed men being killed by police brutality and the things that ensue afterwards and, and that anger and that hurt and that pain are things we need to pay more attention to than that. He ain't the only one that feels that way. He's just the only one that was willing to say it out loud. And when I hear Ron Rivera ever speak that there's been conversation since, that's probably a good thing. But you can tell in Deron Payne's voice and in the way he answered, he's just there to play football. But that's the point I want to make. We walk around those locker rooms with people we disagree with, people who aren't our friends from different backgrounds, different beliefs. If they're willing to come to work, work hard, be respectful, put their hand in the pile, and try to get a W on the weekend, then you're going to play with them. So what you're going to do as the defensive players, you're going to walk into that meeting and treat Coach Jack Del Rio with the respect of being a coach. Now, beyond that, outside of that, you don't have to be friends. You don't have to laugh and play. You don't have to have a relationship, but you have to figure out a way to win football games, and that's what this team is going to do. And let me repeat this. Jack Del Rio is not the only person in that building that feels that way. He just said it. And when you are an African-American player or a minority player or a black player, when you walk into those buildings, Buildings, you know that already. I actually rather Jack Del Rio come out and say it, so now I don't have to guess. Let's go play football. Well, if I'm in Washington, I'd rather he had not said it. Now, Jack Del Rio has freedom of speech, just like everybody else. But for him to compare the wrongful killing of George Floyd in cold blood to uh, the, uh, what he called a dust up or what happened at the Capitol because a president was upset about the election results is not just uh, wild, it's irresponsible. How can you look those guys in the eyes that you're coaching that come from a, a predominantly black community, their own community, and tell them what you just said was, hey, it's okay. It's not okay. Those guys aren't going to give the extra effort for Jack Del Rio. They might give it for their family. Like uh, Deron Payne said, he, he plays football, so he's going to give it for himself. He has a certain sense of pride about what he's doing. But they're not going to give that 120% effort for Jack Del Rio. And I just think as a football player and that football team in Washington that constantly is marred with controversy, Jack Del Rio just made it a lot harder for those guys to go to work without distraction. Now, as RC said, as a pro, you got to handle your business. You're going to show up, and we all have people that we work with. Uh, that we don't like and we don't agree with their what their views on life but you go to work and you get it done and be a pro and I think that's what they have to take out of this they're gonna have to be professional but they're not playing for Jack Del Rio they're playing for each other yeah it's interesting you mentioned playing for each other high expectations for that Washington defense last year they didn't necessarily live up to it in the way that they would say right that they could have done we'll see how that ends up going out on the field next season and Jeff another big question right now for Washington Terry McLaurin not present for mandatory minutes camp and Rivera said he thinks the talks on a new contract and the receiver headed in the right direction but what more are you hearing well, that's a good thing that Ron Rivera thinks that because this puts Washington in the very situation that many teams found themselves this year with the wide receiver market. We should point out that Terry McLaurin is entering the final year of his rookie deal. Uh, below $3 million a year is what he is scheduled to earn. So this is the best comparison here is not Devontae Adams or Tyree Kill, but rather A.J. Brown from that same class. The Tennessee Titans ultimately decided we don't want to deal with this negotiation. We're going to send him to Philadelphia. Philadelphia said we're happy to pay a guy like him 
25 million a year over four years for a hundred million dollar contract so now washington has to decide where they stand on what side of the coin are they the titans or are they the eagles do they want to pay him or do they want to send him elsewhere and right now it feels like based on ron rivera's response they at least want to try to keep him in washington yeah, Jeff, that's great insight there. And, and what I would just say is this is another example of just bad business for Washington. Terry McLaurin is one of the most respected guys in that locker room. He's the best player that they have, the best offensive weapon. He never complains. He always supports the quarterback who's throwing him the football, and they should have already paid him. Now, Terry would have been a lot cheaper if they had paid him at the, at the beginning of the offseason. But now, because of A.J. Brown, as Jeff Dalton mentioned, talk about Tyreek Hill, you talk about Stephon Diggs, Scary Terry's going to come a lot more money at this point and I just think they could have went about this a much better way you handle the players that, that treat you well and do well by your organization you take care of that money and right now it just looks like scary Terry is going to be making some scary money here pretty soon and he's <laughs> earned every single penny of it yeah I mean guys the other thing too about this is the Carson Wentz piece of it and wouldn't it be nice a nice security blanket for him to know that you've got Terry McLaurin's just shored up there over the last two seasons he has the lowest drop percentage among all wide outs that have at least 130 targets. Carson Wentz is like, please make this work for this guy. All right, let's get to some more news around these mini camps. You see new Saint Jarvis Landry, a nice one-handed grab right there. Look at that. He actually tweeted on it. He said, come to Papa. I like that. Uh, that's how I feel if I ever catch anything. Also, there's Chris Olave who's catching a pass right here from Jameis Winston. He's looked really good out there as well. You see some of those weapons the Saints have and it gets you excited about what they may be bringing to the table. Coming up on NFL Live, Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers primed for a run in an AFC West title, but how much will their defense factor into their success? RC thinks they'll be key in the chase for a Super Bowl. He'll tell you more next. We'll be right back. Game one of the Stanley Cup final is tomorrow night. Steven Stamkos and the two-time defending cup champion Lightning look for the three-peat against Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr and the Western Conference champion Avalanche. Our coverage begins at 8 Eastern on ABC and ESPN+. Minicamps going on across the league. How about the Jets holding minicamp today? And Jets reporter Rich Shemini tweeting out this from rookie Sauce Gardner. How much does wearing number one mean to him? Well, he paid teammate DJ Reed 50 grand for the number. Uh, Ryan, you paying anybody 50 grand to get a number? You in on that? Listen, Laura, my signing <laughs> bonus when I came out of LSU after taxes was $683.54. Mm -mm. I couldn't have bought a piece of a number mm -mm. of a jersey. But if you got it, I figure you want it. Sauce is probably planning to make a whole bunch more money in that number one. That 50 grand might not hurt him, but it would have crushed me. <laughs> he probably will. Uh, Robert, you were shaking your head. You're not spending any money on a number, are you? <laughs> What? $50,000? I mean, who did he kidnap? Chelsea Clinton? Come on, man. $50,000 for a number? Oh, my Lord. That is I, that just breaks my heart, man. I feel I got to call Sauce. As soon as we get off the show, I'm going to call Sauce. We got to talk about this, man. Sauce, you're getting a call, right? Let's read and react. Lots of people speaking today around the league. Mini camps happening everywhere. Let's begin with the Buffalo Bills. Everyone's Super Bowl favorite, apparently. They're looking ahead to a season with massive expectations. Here's what quarterback Josh Allen said about it. We've got the highest expectations out of anybody. I know you can look at the media and you can hear different word after different word and different thought after different thought, but 
you know, we're here for one goal, and that's to win a, a world championship. So we're, we're trying to do everything we can do. And, again, we're not putting, putting too much pressure on us because we know what to expect. Um, but in terms of going out there and executing, we're, we're just trying to get better and, and play the best football that we can play. Not too much pressure, but, Robert, is it Super Bowl or bust for the Bills this year? Listen, everyone throws that term around a little too loosely, but it is Super Bowl or bust for the Buffalo Bills. When you look at the players that they that they have returning, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Jordan Poirier, Micah Hyde, the guys they brought in. Talk about Von Miller, O.J. Howard. Uh, they brought in Roger Saffold III, and then they partnered Kyrie Elam with Tredavious White when, when he's healthy at corner. This team is ready to roll. They're, they're going to be dominant, and I'm ready to break out the tables with Bill Mafia, Bill's Mafia if oh. they win it all. Okay, all right. We'll look for that. I'll be looking forward to that if that happens. And Tennessee is where we go next. Derrick Henry hasn't forgotten their early exit in last season's playoffs. Here's what he said about it. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely was tough. I'm um, actually seeing Ryan, I think like back in March, we both had a uh, sign in Alabama. We was talking about it and he was saying uh, he was in a dark place. And I was like, I felt the same way, you know, just tough. And, you know, we all expected it to to do more and uh, play a lot better. And we just weren't good enough. And, you know, they were the better team. But, you know, anytime like that, you know, a loss always hurts when, you know, you you got everything promised, everything in front of you, and you just you just fall short. So it was tough, but def, def, definitely fueled me in the off season. It sounds like a broken record because we you know keep doing the same thing. But you know, all, you, all, all you can do is let it fuel you and get ready for the next. One. Ryan, you expect the Titans to bounce back after that early exit last year? I don't. I don't. We look at the Tennessee Titans and the way that they were set up to make a playoff run. Having the playoffs run through Tennessee, a dominant running back that was back and healthy in Derrick Henry and the defense that was playing extremely well, they had their best opportunity to make it to the Super Bowl. And now I feel that Ryan Tannehill has made it to their peak, and I don't believe this team is in the same position this year as they were last. All right, so it's on Tannehill there. Finally, did the Chargers, let's go there. Their defense should be a headline for a team expecting to be a strong contender in the competitive AFC West. Listen to Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. When I heard about Khalil, I wasn't sure if it was real or not, so that took a little time. But, I mean, yeah, it's just it's, it's amazing to have a guy like that in, in our room. So Joey always paid attention to how he, he uses his hands, um, the way he affects the you know what I'm saying? Just the quarterback and even his power, you know what I mean? Even though we have discussions about that, can't get too detailed. But, um, yeah, he just has all the different intangibles, and um, just looking forward to playing with him. And those two are forced to be reckoned with. And, by the way, Joey, it's real. So, Robert, what are your expectations for this Chargers <laughs> defense this season? This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Pure dominance. When I see the names of Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr., and Derwin James on one team, I think it's a creative team in Madden. And it's not just the names. It's the way these guys play. Bosa and Mack are relentless. Asante Samuel Jr. and J.C. Jackson are ball hawks. And Derwin James can play at every level of the defense, deep, in the box. He can come down and cover tight ends and possibly even cover slot receivers. But for them, the only issue 
is their defense and the division that they're in. They're going to be going up against some offensive weapons in that AFC West that are going to be crazy. So I don't think they'll be the highest ranked defense, but by the time they get to the playoffs, they will be battle tested and any team that they face is going to be a, it's going to be a nightmare. These guys are going to be incredible. Listen, this defense is going to be good. This defense is going to have to make plays, but the offense will still drive this team. This team still will run through number 10, and that's Justin Herbert, because you're going to have to score to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, to beat the Buffalo Bills, to beat the Denver Broncos. This defense has to understand closing, and you heard the names that RG3 mentioned. The most important name there is Derwin James. Derwin James has an opportunity to be the defensive player of the year. This team is built around him, but what that tells me is when the Kansas City Chiefs have the ball and they're driving late and Josh Allen has played out of his mind you need a team not that's not going to be the Buffalo Bills in the secondary but Derwin James and that defense that can make a play against a team like Kansas City to win the West this defense has to be better has to be improved and there's no way that they can be worse but they don't have to carry this team they just have to make important plays against big-time offenses in the right scenarios like we haven't seen teams do against AFC West champion the Kansas City Chiefs yeah I I mean, listen, R.C., if the defensive player of the year comes out of the AFC West, that's really something considering some of those offenses. And by the way, no one knows who's going to win that AFC West because it's really hard to predict. But according to ESPN's Football Power Index, the Chargers are a slight favorite to win the AFC West, a 29% chance. So I'm saying there's a chance, it's only 29%. All right, let's go to Cleveland, guys. Deshaun Watson was at Brown's minicamp today, spoke to the media for the first time since March 25th. He was asked many questions about the 24 civil suits filed against him alleging inappropriate sexual conduct and here's some of what he said. I've been honest and I've been truthful about my stance. Um, and that's, you know, I never forced anyone. I never assaulted anyone. So um, that's what, you know, I've, I've been saying it from the beginning and I'm going to continue to do that. I just want to clear my name and be able to tell, let the facts and the legal, uh, legal procedure, procedures continue to play out. Uh, so right now, that's well. That's all I'm doing is, is want to clear my name and be able to let all the facts come out in the court of law and, and be able to focus on that. I do understand that uh, I do have regrets as far as the impact that it has on the community and people outside of just myself. You know, and that includes my family, that includes this organization, that includes my teammates in this locker room that have to answer to these questions, that includes, you know, the fan base of the Cleveland Browns, that includes males, females, everyone across the, the world, you know, so uh, that's one thing I do regret is the impact that it's have triggered on so many people. And um, yeah, it's, it's tough to, to have to, you know, deal with. So the big question here, Jeff Darlington, where do we stand with the NFL's investigation into Watson, the timeline on handing down a suspension? What does that look like? Well, Laura, you heard Deshaun Watson there say that he wants the facts to play out. He wants to let the legal course play out. And that is one side of the track right now. But there is the other side as well, which is the NFL's investigation, which is completely separate from the legal side of things. And the NFL has made very clear to me that they are not putting a timeline on this. They have spoken to Deshaun Watson once, but we know that there have been two more civil lawsuits filed since that conversation with Watson. So it remains possible that the NFL could go back and speak to Watson more about this, or they could simply decide that they do have enough information and levy whatever punishment or lack thereof that they decide moving forward. One last point we should make here. It is not Roger Goodell who ultimately will decide this punishment. It is instead an investigation team that has been tasked with this assignment since the start of this whole controversy.
Yeah, and it's a, a new investigation team as well. I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize that, but a new group that is tasked with this, as Jeff said. All right, still more to come on NFL Live, and we get to Ravens camp. Lamar Jackson back there for the first time this offseason. RC tells us why Baltimore shouldn't change how Lamar plays if they want to be serious contenders in the AFC. That's all coming your way right here on NFL Live. We'll be right back. With us on NFL Live, Chiefs, one of 17 teams in minicamp today, while tackle Orlando Brown not there as he tries to get a new deal done now. You saw Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Juju Smith-Schuster all out there practicing. We'll continue to check around with different teams as we go through minicamps happening today. Let's get to the Cardinals, also in mandatory minicamp. Quarterback Kyler Murray is there, still waiting to see if a new deal happens with Kyler in Arizona after he made it very clear that he wants one. Number one out there. And Cliff Kingsbury said in terms of Kyler Murray's contract getting done quote I'm praying before training camp so Jeff we go to you here what more can you tell us on Kyler's deal where things stand right now well Laura general manager Steve Kime has been very clear and very honest ever since this thing went a little bit sideways in February I talked to Kime right around that time and he said look we just need some time we want Kyler to be in this building for the long term we want him as our quarterback we're going to extend him but these things take time he made clear that after the draft he would focus on that. He has done that, and it feels like at least Kyler Murray being at this minicamp is a really good sign of progress. I do anticipate, I would guess, that this does get done before the start of training camp. Yeah, Jeff, there was definitely a tone change with Kyler. And let's get to another quarterback with contract questions. Lamar Jackson, you see him out there in the Ravens. A totally different situation because the former MVP doesn't have an agent. You saw yesterday multiple Ravens posting on social media about their QB being there, how much it means to them and this team. Here's more. You block it out, you know, as, you know, you know, Playing, you know, football at a young age, we've all been, you know, with the media for a long, long time, and um, there's going to be a lot of naysayers. But you got to be able to block stuff like that out. You know, we don't, we don't look at the outside too much. Um, I, I was, I was really excited to have eight back out there. I told the trainer to give Lamar some water today. You know, he, he needed it, I think. So I, I've been messing with him a little bit. Having eight back is, is great. We got some great work in um, and OTAs without him and everything. So having him back, everything's elevated. The, the Lamar-Mark connection is looking good. You know, the Bateman connection. <laughs> Give him some water. Nothing like a little mini-camp trash talk. Why not? Uh, Robert, this offense relies <laughs> heavily on Lamar. You spent time there with him. You know him well. You know their approach well. What should be their strategy in using their quarterback? Well, I can tell you right now, the Baltimore Ravens cannot ask Lamar Jackson to be Superman all the time. Now, he is the most dynamic offensive weapon in the game today, but they have to find ways to take some pressure off of him. If you ask him to make every play in every single game for 17 to 21 games throughout a season, he's not going to be able to hold that up into the playoffs. So listen, they, they brought in offensive line help. They're going to get back their top three running backs in J.K. Dobbins, Gustavus Edwards, and Justice Hill off of injury from last year. And I know for a fact that they need to establish James Prochet and Devin DuVernay in the passing game. I worked extensively with those guys when I was there, and I know they're ready to carry more of the load. But what the Ravens have to do is they have to find other answers uh, in the playoffs aside from Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson because teams are going to try to make them play left-handed when they get to the big-time playoff football. So they need to use the regular season to figure out how to find those other answers and not just fall into the trap of letting Lamar do everything every single game. 
Yeah, I think when, when, when you look at Lamar Jackson and what he's meant to this team, there's been no player in the NFL asked to carry this sort of offensive load. And so what Greg Roman is going to have to do is find ways to allow Lamar to pace himself, not necessarily exert himself early on in games or early in the season, and then allow his instincts and natural athleticism to take over. There will be plays or there will be games where we watch him rush for over 100 yards. He'll throw for over 300 yards. But it have to rely on the other players on this offense, this great defense that's going to be healthy this year, and the great coaching of John Harbaugh to shield Lamar Jackson from having to do too much, for putting it in his hands and saying, here, Lamar, take us to the promised land. Even Moses needed some help from God <laughs> and his staff. That's we exactly all do, right? what Lamar needs, from help from his coach yes, and his staff. <laughs> uh, you know what? Of all the things happening today, I, I didn't expect this to get biblical, but I'm glad that we did. You know, it's funny, too, Jeff, because when you talk about Lamar Jackson and, and the conversations around him right now in this Ravens team, anytime anyone in the media or anywhere is trying to say, oh, well, things are contentious, Lamar has even clapped back and said, no, it's not that. I mean, it seems like a very amicable relationship right. with them, but where do things stand in the contract talk? between Lamar and the Ravens. I guess I should have gone to church on Sunday and asked God because I have no idea where the contract is. <laughs> listen, here's the deal. This is, this is an unorthodox situation. Lamar Jackson does not have a conventional agent. His mother is on a team that is representing him at this point. So we're not getting the typical leaks that us media people rely on here. He has made very clear that he doesn't want this to be out in the public. Now, it could change at any point, but Steve Bashotti, the team owner himself, has said that this is a very unique situation where, in fact, he said at one point, Eric DaCosta, the team's general manager, is not, basically, it's not his job to call Lamar all the time and hmm. say, hey, do you want to get this deal done? <laughs> it's got to be on Lamar himself as well. And again, we don't know what the progress is at this point, but any day now, we would love to hear. Yeah, yeah, prayers up. I mean, here's the thing, guys. Lamar's betting on himself. He's saying, let me show you more and let me drive that price up even more, which we would expect him to do. I'm adding all y'all to my prayer request list, so drop those prayer requests in the bin and let's keep on going here on NFL Live. we got to get to the Cowboys. And this show can't carry on until we get there. They opened minicamp today. Dak Prescott feeling much better than he did it this time last year. Stick around to hear from the Dallas quarterback next as well as a live report. We'll be right back on NFL Live. We're back here on NFL Live and this new end of the show. The Bears are out there at mini camp today. Justin Fields talking about looking ahead to the season. Listen to what he said here. You know, I'm the type of guy to, you know, like to know that I'm prepared. So um, right now I'm just being honest. We're, we're not ready to play a game right now. So, um, uh, but and when that time comes, we will be ready. So right now, no, I'm not ready to play. Well, Justin, you got 89 days until you got to play a game. 89 days. Uh, anybody, <laughs> anybody want to overreact here and freak out that Justin Fields said they're not ready to play a game? Robert, you want to freak out? Or are you good? No, I'm good. Listen, you got to trust the process, right? Right now, they shouldn't be ready to play a game. Yep. He could have probably worded that a little bit better. But yep. at the end of the day, they got a whole lot of time before the season starts. So, Justin Fields, keep playing the field, man. Oh, ooh, ooh, nice play on the last name hey, there. Uh, hey, hey, here's what's funny. Laura. What? 
Laura, what's funny is we want guys to be honest. He was really just being honest. Like he's not, they're not ready to play a game. Nobody is right now. It's not time to play football, but everybody wants you to come out. Yeah, I'm so pumped. We're so ready. Everything's going so well. The truth though is this. He was also not prepared to play a game when he had to go out and play Cleveland mm. last year mm. after the Bears moved mm. up to draft him. Mm. And that's the problem. He better not be in that situation again. Yeah, eight, 89 days to figure it out. All right, how about them Cowboys, guys, to start mandatory minicamp today? As usual, expectations sky high. Dallas better be ready to play a game right now. There are a lot of questions left to be answered about exactly what this team will look like. But one thing that's different from this time last year, Dak is healthy and feeling good. He spoke today, and we'll get to that more right now with Ed Werder. He's at the Star where Dak Prescott addressed the media. Ed, what did the Cowboys QB have to say? Yeah, Laura, Dak Prescott described his confidence as being, quote, through the roof. And by observation, you can see him moving more effortlessly in his first healthy offseason since fracturing his right leg and ankle in 2020. Prescott today threw scoring passes in minicamp scramble drills, moving both to his left and to his right. And when I asked Prescott about his point of emphasis this offseason, he said it's been about improving as a thrower from every platform. He said he's been conscious about being more mechanically sound, keeping his right leg undering him and driving the football in a way that sometimes he didn't last season. Here's how Prescott evaluates where he is now compared to the same point last offseason when his involvement was limited. I think I'm far um, so so much further along than I was last year at this time. I mean just being able to get the team reps as you said being able to move more um, take care of my whole body and just focus on everything and not just my leg. Uh, it's a huge difference. Well, Coach Mike McCarthy said he hopes Prescott will have more designed runs and movement throws during the upcoming season after admitting the coaching staff tried to be smart with him last season in that same regard. There were 30 quarterbacks last year with more rushing first downs than Prescott a year ago. That limited the Cowboys' offense significantly. And while Prescott spoke early in his career about his desire to play a physical style at the quarterback position, he's since learned to better balance the risk and reward of running, recognizing the most important thing for the Cowboys is that Prescott is healthy and playing every week. So, Laura, while the Cowboys still want to protect their $40 million quarterback, it also appears that Prescott feels he's going to be better able to more fully use his vast array of athletic talents in the upcoming season. Yeah, and it's great to hear that he's feeling as good as he is. And the Cowboys offense will look different this season following the departure of Amari Cooper, too. They could turn to the ground game where they have one of the best running back duos in the NFL and Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Last season, they were one of three running back duos in the NFL to each have at least 1,000 yards from scrimmage. And the first to do it for the Cowboys since Herschel Walker and Tony Dorsett back in 1986, a long time ago. So, Robert, with Amari Cooper gone, questions around Zeke as their number one running back. What should be the Cowboys' offensive identity? Well, Laura, I'm happy that Dak is healthy and has a full offseason, but this offense needs to run through Zeke and Tony Pollard in that order. You paid Zeke for a reason, so allow him to be that big bruising back that he is. You hear a lot about how Zeke had a down year last year, but he was seventh in attempts, he was seventh in yards, and sixth in rushing touchdowns, and even averaged 4.2 yards a carry, which is the third highest of his career. So you got to understand that the narrative is really being shaped because there's this fixation with Tony Pollard right now 
now, and it's for good reason. The guy is lightning in a bottle. Mm. But understand that two-back systems can work. We've seen this before. You can talk about Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen. You can talk about D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart. And you can go way, way back and talk about Jim Brown and Bobby Mitchell as well. It elevates the, the entire play of the whole offense, and it takes pressure off the quarterback. When you have Dak Prescott as your QB, the Super Bowl is attainable. But the way they're going to get there is through Zeke and Tony Pollard. Listen, RG3, man, he preaching like uh, Reverend Leon Lottie Love from Martin. But I want to tweak it a little bit, right? If you look at what I would love to do with Tony Tony Pollard is move him around, right? You no longer have Cedric Wilson. You don't have Amari Cooper. And so and now it doesn't necessarily have to be that it's a two-back system. Why can't we see Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott on the field at the same time? Go split backs. Put him in the slot. Allow him the motion. Jet sweeps. Just find ways to put the football in his hand so Ezekiel Elliott can still be that bruiser, can still be that lead back, but also Tony Pollard's touches increase. That's what's going to happen to this offense. That's what Kellen Moore has to do in order to add more explosion, more oomph, and more versatility. Zeke, you get the tough carries. Tony Pollard, you create the explosive plays in space, and it's going to be upon the offensive coordinator to design this offense and scheme it in a way where they can both be used to the best of their abilities. Let me just tweak this sermon one more time here, guys. My concern is more about the <laughs> offensive line and some of the changes there, you know, without Lyle Collins and some of those yeah. things. We can talk about a two-back yes. system all we want, but if no one's buying time for those guys and protecting them as well as buying time for Dak Prescott, I don't know how that's going to look. All right, time for one more thing before we go. Uh, elsewhere in the NFC East, the Washington Commanders had their team do a baby photo-inspired shoot. They laid on the little blanket. They circled the number on how many seasons they've been in the league. Uh, RC, would you be down for this? Like, if, if we did this on NFL Live and, and I put out the baby blanket and how many years you've been on the show, would you do this? <laughs> Listen, so I don't use a baby blanket, but I ain't putting on no diaper, Laura. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I love you. What about own, a pacifier? But now you, did, now you brought this up. Lydell's going to want to do it. Eisman's going to want to do it. And everybody's going to be all in like your TikToks. And then RC's going to be the curmudgeon. I'm not wearing no diaper. I'm Let's not. Let's be babies. Why not? Hey, Let's these be are going to be in stadiums RC's all over in. the season. A no, thousand teams are going to use it.